Today we talk community, collaboration and sincerity as we chat to Lucy Hiku, one half of the amazing Itty Bitty Beats on Benny Asking People Questions. The children's music industry is an industry that wraps itself around goodness and sharing. It is a joy to be a part of, and often the caring nature can kind of catch you off guard. However, my next guest and her band seem to take this to a whole new level. Their musical pursuits seem to serve no purpose other than what they can bring out in others or support in others. Their music and their musical approach is both complex and desperately heartfelt, all wrapped around a seemingly effortless nature, a nature that can only come from genuine want and caring. They are hard to pin down creatively, so I'm terribly glad I've managed to pin one down time-wise to just give us a little bit of insight into what they do. I am really happy to introduce Lucy Hiku, one half of Itty Bitty Beats, all the way from Christchurch, New Zealand, Lucy Welcome to this thing. <laughs> Thank you so much for having me. I'm so sorry. I bring the apologies of Jenny, who is feeling a bit under the weather. But we are so so thrilled to be in touch with you. Yeah, it's, it's well, we're we're thrilled to to, to well, we as in me here on my own. I'm thrilled <laughs> to be doing this on behalf of all of Australia. We are thrilled. Um, I'm going to just basically launch straight into your approach, into your music. Normally I'd do a little bit of a preamble about how you began and how you found yourself in this, but I don't know. I, I kind of it just feels pretty obvious to me. I just think it's just it was in you and it was going to happen eventually. Now, soapy, soapy water foaming all around you. There's one of the songs off your first album and that line, soapy, soapy water foaming all around you, immediately says to me that there is relaxation around you. Using the word ya as a rhyming word (laughs) shows me that you don't take yourself hugely serious and that this thing needs to be comfortable to you and Jenny. Is this pretty important to your whole process, everything you bring to Itty Bitty Beats, is it about being relaxed and being able to enjoy what you do? Well, that is a stunning question. Um, I think uh, working around children, being a parent um, and being a musician, authenticity is a really big, big thing. Um, And when you're writing for kids and with kids, I find they generally put you at ease. Even if they're, you know, poking Lego up your nose, they are generally, you can't help but just be exactly who you are. And um, my daughter Maya was um, not great at hopping in the bath and the album bath time. (laughs) Hang on a minute. How how old was she? Oh, look, from being like one. Yeah, I find that. I I would have to. I find that hard to believe. Yeah, I find that hard to believe. (laughs) My son can't get him out the bath, like cannot get him out the bath. (laughs) And he will turn all the water from the bath will end up on the ceiling, out the windows, you name it. (laughs) Every toy is in there. But for a short while there, she um, she was a bit averse to being touched for for a long while. And so part of that was bath time and haircuts and things. So... Um, with, with the part of the writing that I was contributing to um, our, our Itty Bitty Beats music, 
um, a lot of it revolved around obviously my relationship with my kids and um, Maya, I had to stand her up on the basin and squirt my husband's like shaving, shaving foam on the, on the uh, mirror for her to play with while I quickly wash her in the basin Wow! because she just didn't want it. Um, yep. And now she loves it and that's fine. But uh, we used a lot of music, you know, just to, to just wrap around our daily lives, but just to interact. And now she herself is writing songs constantly. She's almost seven now, but she's, she's singing to her brother. She's singing to me. She sings when she's worried. She sings when she's happy. And that has been the biggest gift through doing what we do is that she's now doing it with us. You know, we often have our kids singing in the background. She says the word bubble when she's a tiny wee baby in that album. And every time I hear her go, bubble, I just, my heart goes, gadunk. (laughs) But yeah, being authentic, being relaxed, being yourself and and just bringing that out in the kids around you. It just seems to be what's naturally flowed from Jenny and myself when we're creating. So be, so be water foaming all around ya bubble, bubble bath time splashing smiles and laughter happiness around ya bubble, bubble That kind of answers the question how you got into it as well. As a because my one of my my next question was <laughs> bath time is quite childlike. Um, the album itself, like it, I guess it's more if there is a term, it's very traditionally placed in the in the area that we consider to be children's music. Um, mm. What was that? I mean, was that album just generally a response to parenting? I mean, and it sounds like it was. It was literally you just going, I don't know how to get kids in the bath. Let's just write a bunch of songs about it and see how we go. Well, yeah, I can't speak for Jenny, but I know for me, um, when when Jenny and I first got together and were, were discussing working together, because we met years ago at jazz school when we were studying and she met her husband there, who's a guitarist, and he's our producer, and I met my husband, who's a bass player. So we we met a really long time ago, had our kids, and we got chatting, and, and I said I love the idea of themed albums because for me as a parent, I, mm. I often found like it almost felt like you are getting a compilation album. And I, did, I felt I ended up needing to make my own playlist because I like I like that song from that album and that from there. Can ah, we just make a bath right. time album, right? Yeah, sure. So all of our albums to to date have been lullabies, bath time, um, on the move, which is a travelling album mm. um, and stuff. So that for me is purely that's what I want as a parent. So I wanted to create it. So when my kids were born, I, my brain just went crazy with lyric ideas, and I'd sing and play with them. So I wrote about. 150 songs uh, when Maya was little and we just went into, right, what do we, what should we do first? Let's clump all of our, so we created a bunch of folders together in a Dropbox of like, okay, these are my early learning ones, these are my whatever. So we probably have hundreds of songs that are, yeah, it's crazy. It's so, nuts. And then so, when my son was born, a whole other explosion of crazy yeah. ideas. So, Lucy, what I'm hearing is when you're saying like you, you like this idea of um, 
theme, thematic albums. So what I'm hearing, it was actually quite selfish, the, the your music writing yes. start. Purely. <laughs> it's really, it was really just it's really just to appease yourself. If we just if we just look at the creation of that first album, and and I'm going to just jump straight into the, the the songwriting, so I really loved it and I was quite fascinated by it. And the more I listened, I got more deeply lost within it. Now, bath time, however, what I found is I found that it was. I wouldn't say lost, but I felt like it was you and Jenny trying to find out or trying to replicate what you imagined a children's album was supposed to be. A really good example was um, Let's Get Clean, which is a really beautiful song, but then there's this little element of children in there detecting instruments, which mm, which yes. which is also just a little bit not not confusing, but it's but it it not related to the idea of let's get clean. And and you, you know what I mean. It's kind of like got multi purposes within the song, which you know. And I, and I mm. felt, and I felt, and you've got the pirate song and things like that, which, which is still wonderful. But it felt to me like it was the two of you responding to how you felt a children's album potentially should sound, or you're responding to what you knew about kids' albums, not necessarily what you felt about children's albums. Would that be fair? Or? Was, well, there was a lot of learning that went on. Also about going, well, what's our sound, and what do we, what do we want? And you know, it was a, it was, it's a really good point. I think, funnily enough, the pirate song I wrote as a rap, and Jenny, I was like, I can't rap. I'm not going to rap. Please, Jenny, can you turn this into something? And so Jenny was like, Yeah, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll do, I'll do something non-rappy with that, um, which was very kind of her. Um, and things like let's get clean. You're right. You know, we we were kind of exploring. You know, do we do we add some early learning? Um, mm. You know, like introducing the instruments to kids, and you know, make sure that the, when we clean our bum, it's like a you know a double bass or a trumpet or something embarrassing to match. You know, a bit silly, and uh, you know, all of those things. I think we we were just we were kind of just gauging because um, also Jenny would write her stuff, I'd write my stuff and some of it was some of her songs I didn't touch and of mine vice versa and others mm. like the pirate rap, which did not need to exist as a rap, <laughs> um, needed to get a beautiful overhaul by uh, by Jenny and things so and like Ellie the Elephant um and things I wrote outside of the bath and then went, Oh, yeah. actually, you know and like the dolphin song, you're like, Oh, it doesn't mention the bath, do we do we mention the bath? And things, and I think in hindsight, some of those things we could well have um, yeah could have existed outside about those moments. Yeah, because I've also seen that the life that some of those songs have taken outside of the album mm. and outside of that moment, um, and things. So that's that's been really fascinating to look back on, and, and that's a great question because, to be fair, um, we just we were just kind of let's let's put some of these songs somewhere. And we, we didn't expect anyone to listen to it. <laughs> we just thought we were creating it for our own kids. And then it kind of it kind of took off, which was great. Yeah. It's been our biggest um, 
thing. Yeah, and we, we certainly okay. didn't expect anyone to listen to it, and we certainly didn't expect some mid forty year old in Australia to start drilling me about the process behind it. <laughs> that was not our. So on, <laughs> it was not on our on our on our radar when we put it together. It's it's a musically very complex album, and I think and I think what 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 did stand out for it, which I think a lot of um, children's music does, particularly on the first couple of albums, is you you do allow yourself to be really quite creative with with your with with the musical themes and the musical styles. I mean, you're all jazz musicians, but you know, outside of um, Packy Packy, I think it is, and Submarine. You know, there's not a lot of jazz in there, but there's a lot of other different kind of styles. I mean, it's a, it really yeah. is it really is an album of possibilities. You know, as opposed to, like, it has a theme, but it also has the two of you, you know, just grabbing all the things that excite you and just chucking them all in the bucket and going, great, let's I, let's put this together. You know, yeah, that's true. I think we weren't thinking past the first album when we made it, so we're probably shoving all of our things, trying to shove all our things into that album. In case, it was, and then, <laughs> case it was the last one you ever made. Last one. <laughs> yes. And then moving forward, we're like, oh, yeah, we can take our time. We can, this can happen again. And and now we, we don't know when to stop because uh, the ideas are just a bit bonkers. Oh, don't stop. Nice. Yeah, no, please. There's there's zero need for either of you to stop. So please, please don't even <laughs> have that as part of your, your future. We have um, your permission to keep going. I <laughs> do, Again, it. again, back, <laughs> let's cut back to 2015 when you put this album together. <laughs> you thought, I'm going to do this until we get a decent permission from some random middle-aged white guy in Australia. But it's a really beautiful album, and I think I think what, what it really did is it enabled you to... I, I, for me, it sounds like it was enabled you to kind of get that stuff out of your system because a year later we get to Lay Your Head Down, which is an album of lullabies, essentially. Each little finger on each little hand Each little record Each sweet eyelash You'll be asleep soon I felt as a listener, you, the two of you, were much more comfortable here. It was like you were less trying to fit your ideas into, you know, a a round hole and more now just kind of going, actually, you know what, we've learnt a bit more about what this music is and now we want to bring ourselves to it. There's Mm. less diversity in the album but not in a bad way. It's more of a construction, the whole thing. Did did that yeah. did that second album feel different for you? It felt different on a few levels. Um, I think there's something incredibly personal and vulnerable um, that you offer when you write a lullaby. 
Um, mm. I found with the with the playfulness of Bath Time and, and some of the songs in On the Move, we felt um, this, like I almost uh, almost didn't uh, put Crochet Hearts on that album because it was so personal to me. And I said, yeah. I just feel it's too personal. Is it too personal to, to put in there? And she said, no, no. And funnily enough, when we sent the album, you know, off when people ordered them and things, uh, even though people didn't know who had written which song or whatever, you know, I'd have friends messaging and saying, I got the phone number nine and a person said, you know, I was like, oh, that's gross, I heart you. I said, me too. If that helps, me too. Um, and I think because we were trying, uh, as parents, we didn't want to uh, change the instrumentation up or the, you know, the types of music. It meant that we were able to just uh, just throw the, the the lyrics at the forefront, the harmonies, and and really bring in uh, a lot of heart. Uh, not that there's not heart in some of the silliness, but it's you really are singing from from that parental heart. You're very present in that album, and 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 I guess uh, present as in personal. Like it feels very stripped back. It feels like <clears throat> you you're very connected musically to the first one, but this one you feel mm. really connected personally to it. Um, it's like was an umbilical cord. To yeah, it was it? Did that make it an easier album to write, um, or did that make it a harder one? Well, funnily enough, I don't think the writing part has ever been hard at any point uh, because, uh, well, certainly for me in the sense that I am, uh, I'm one of those weirdos that can't sleep <laughs> at 3am because I have 17 ideas and I need a book by my bed. I have, I have about probably three or 400 unfinished songs wow. constantly. Um, so the writing part, not so much. Uh, I, w- I would never call that part difficult. Um, the songs that we've put forward have been the ones, like we'd often write, you know, maybe 30 songs for an album and then choose from that which felt stronger. So the ones that didn't kind of make the cut, we didn't even try and craft, they just fell away. Uh, but with with this album, I think that the only thing we struggled with potentially you know, to explain it was more that it was hard not to put too much of ourselves into it because it was so personal. We have to absolutely credit Jenny's husband, Rob. So Rob has produced all of our music, except for the collaborations that we've done yeah. recently, like the song with Max Pitch and, and Fleabite. Um, uh, they, they did the instrumentation, we just did the vocals, but everything we've done, and you know, and also the songs of music with Michael, she did. Uh, actually, to be fair, some of, Rob helped music with Michael with some of her stuff too. So, funnily enough, yeah, we're all a really close knit community mm-hmm. here. But yeah, um, Rob, Rob is the reason we sound the way we sound. He is um, the most patient, thank goodness, uh, uh, lovely human being, and um, we are absolutely honoured to have him touch our music because it's funny you can have a crazy idea but it doesn't turn into anything like like bath time we used lots of real instruments like so many it was ridiculous so when we did you know that song let's get clean 
Mm. Everyone's like, oh, can you come in and play your sax? Can you come in and play your trumpet? Yeah. Trombone, we had trombone on, on Ali the Elephant. Um, we had a bunch of real stuff, but with that album, we pretty much gave him the demo. He shut himself away, did all of the stuff, and went, I think I've got it. And we came in and we almost cried just listening to what he did, and then we just dropped our vocals on. This is, this is the Lay Your Head Down album, is this? It is Lay Your Head yeah, Down album, yeah, yeah. yeah. And so, yeah, he, he's so gifted. That's quite interesting because, I mean, that that also means this thing is so intensely personal to you, like you said, but at the same time you gave, you gifted a lot of it over to him and handed over the responsibility of bringing that into or bringing it to life. Was yeah. that was that quite, I mean, there's was, a lot of trust involved. In yeah, because is that is that quite hard to take something so personal and just hand it over and go, can you... I think also because uh, when we created these albums, I mean, you might be aware uh, in the kindy community, you know, you're self-funding everything or you're saying... No, we we have a we have a thriving children's music funding system over here in Australia where we we each just get given a you know reasonably like a I guess what you'd refer to as a blank check every year. All of us, yeah, it's quite quite astounding. But we're just lucky like that, I guess. Um, No, we're all broke. You've got to you've got to do everything. This is a we're all broke and happy, and that's what I always say. To my tell my students and to my I'm a singing <laughs> that's teacher. What I, yeah, that, that's what I always tell my kids. Like, yeah. That's what I always tell my kids. Yeah, yes, no, but we're like, happy. Remember happy. that we're happy. Be, yeah, like <laughs> I'm like you could go and be like a lawyer or a dentist if that spins your wheels. But you know, I would rather be a little bit broke and totally myself and happy yeah. than be um, a more grown up grown up. Time for sleep. Time to rest. Lay your head. Have you performed that much of that live or not really? Not our lullabies apart from, oh, Paul Marie, which is our bilingual lullaby. So my husband and my children are, are Māori, so I try and incorporate some of um, the Indigenous language of New Zealand in, in our songs. And that song in particular um, works really well at the end of a session when we're kind of winding down. And it just, it's quite gentle and it's, it's um, it's great uh, a cappella and live and we can just close our eyes and just get right into that moment yeah. as a way of kind of thanking our audience, winding things down, but otherwise we don't perform the lullabies because we'd probably all fall asleep, but um, all the parents would, they wouldn't thank us for that. In 2015, we move or 16, we move out of our generous slumber into our cars. Mm-hmm. 
and we find ourselves in On The Move. Um, an album, I feel, that's really mature. It's it's somewhere between the first two. It isn't quite as child-expected or as typical as bath time. It's obviously not as ethereal mm. or as, as lay your head down. But I feel it's really musically confident. I kind of feel by this stage you're three years in, you've been nominated for a few awards, I believe. You've won a few things. You know, you've won a few things. Um, to me, on the move... Uh, it, it feels like the itty bitty beats have arrived. Like it feels like a real solidifying of who you are and how you see yourselves within this genre. Or am I completely wrong? And it just fell out of you like the other, the rest of the stuff did. <laughs> well, funnily enough, uh, when it comes to the instrumentation and the genres that are chosen, it often comes down to, you know, Jen and Rob, you know, they, they spend a lot of the time in the studio and I come in, for the vocals, because often they're in the studio, because we're all parents with other jobs and things. Often the work gets done late at night. We, mm. If I sat in there and just, you know, put my chin on the desk and just watched him work, I'd probably get kicked out. Um, <laughs> but uh, he he does make a lot of those. He did make a lot of those uh, decisions, or Jenny and he did together. Yeah. Um, and I just sort of came in and went, I love it, which sounds very <laughs> lazy on my part. I feel like the the man when a woman gives birth, you're like, ah. Oh, you did it. It's amazing. Um, Where's the wine? It's, it's amazing. amazing. Um, so I was there for the fun part with all the songwriting and then the fun part with the singing. But um, I found with with Rob uh, and Jenny, so they, they studied jazz at jazz school. Funnily enough, I studied pop music at jazz school. Oh. So my main influences like R&B, Motown, you know, pop, gospel, bring it on, anything, yeah. you know, really soulful. Um, and Jenny and Rob really, truly are jazz musicians. Um, I'm, I'm pretend. I pretend. Yeah, sure. um, and my husband's a jazz musician too. So I'm just, I'm the imposter. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, it was, it was really fun to see how far they pushed it. And Jenny's always had that lovely idea of uh, the theme being like that was a bit. There was a bit more country and a bit more jazz and a bit more uh, of that kind of, you know, that idea of having fifties sort of rock and roll yeah. feel sometimes throughout it. And you go, music that if it had adult lyrics could be easily listened to by adults. Yeah. So that the adults, because so, they're all in the car together and having music that was for the eight-year-old in the car and the newborn baby and everywhere in between because everyone's listening. Yeah. And, and look, I think I think that really, that comes out in that album. Like I feel it's very musically consistent and, you know, the arrangements, instrumentation, all that stuff. It's very, it's a very consistent album. Bath Time was an ex, felt like more of an ex, experimentation of what Experiment. can we, what can we fit in, what can we do. Whereas this felt like, okay, we have a sound, we know what works, and that we've found ourselves within this, this new world, mm. and we know now what we, how we want to present ourselves. And I think the whole album comes across that way. You know, I think it's a, it's much Thank more you. a considered. Not that the first one wasn't considered, but this one just feels. You knew what you were doing almost if that's, I don't know, I don't know how to explain that without sounding desperately insulting to bath time. But it just feels, <laughs> it, it, it just feels like, you, you know, you, you'd gone through the process of working it out and now you're here and you go, okay, actually I think this is where we feel the most comfortable. I mean, even approaching your third album, did you personally feel like that or were you still pulling songs out that you'd written four years earlier? A combo. It was a combo. So what was cool is um, 
because Jenny's kids are a bit older than mine, um, and it kind of meant we had kids right across the age spectrum to, to work with with the songwriting thing, and we were able to draw songs from earlier on in the writing process to later on. And, and funnily enough, I feel like because uh, because Robert spent so much time working on our first two albums, I feel like his um, his confidence also would have grown to what what uh, can be tolerated with children's mm. music. Without you know, you're not having to simplify too much. Yeah. Not because that was something that drove us nuts when we were listening to some of some some of the music that we found when we were looking for stuff for our kids to listen to. We're like, some of this just feels too plinky plonky, yeah. or like we're singing down to a child versus you know. Mm being right there with them and and it was a really cool experience to see that combination of probably confidence growing and just seeing the development of of where the songs got to we were able to get to a higher level perhaps and like up up and away I'm like that sounded so different in the studio versus how it sounded uh you know initially when you know Jenny sent me through a little you know, voice memo of what her initial idea was, and you go to go from that, I, you know, rough demo idea to that big, big production felt so amazing. It was exciting. production that but I think one thing that itty bitty beats do really beautiful is that is 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 real beautiful um the brevity in your music like I think there's a real like particularly in finding out that you come from a pop background Mm. you know there'd be this real want to overdo stuff you know to really um whereas I guess jazz is is more coming from the end of it. It's quite sparse and you just use what you need. But I think it, what Itty Bitty Beats do really beautifully, which really stands out in this, in, in um, On The Move, is, is this idea of there's a lot of silence. There's a lot of space in the music, mm. you know. It's not overcrowded. Um, yeah, and that sounds like that's um, Jenny and um, Rob doing all of that, yeah? Is that kind of... Well, I, I think they... Uh... Uh, I think, yeah, I'd have to be able to uh, walk away from the responsibility of how good that part was and say <laughs> I would love to clap my hands and say they did a great job. Yeah, it's a it's a funny um, it's it's a funny thing trying to uh, leave enough room for the songs to have enough power that it's not so busy all the time or uh, it's not too much. And there would be times in the studio where we would sit down and go, ah. Rob, can we add another harmony or can we add another thing? And sometimes it would just be that decision of going, I think we need to stop touching it and it's ready. Um, And occasionally, you know, my ears would hear something different from what Jenny or Rob might be imagining. And it was really cool to be able to sometimes create some really weird and fun uh, instrumentation ideas by going, you know, I I remember I'm, I'm not, super skill. We've both got recording studios at home, which has been really helpful to be able to create music, even through lockdown and stuff. We've been able to collaborate and stuff and do things from a distance. But 
it, um, I'm not great at running the studio, but I remember having some ideas with, you know, can we play the same melody, the octaves apart in different instruments and bar pines so that we could get something that almost sounds like a brand new instrument. Yeah. And I remember Rob looking at me like, are you nuts? And I remember looking at him like, you know I'm nuts. <laughs> and then we did it and it worked. And then, you know, sometimes you get to that moment where you go, I just want to trust that you know what you're doing yeah. and just let you touch it because I know it's like a piece of art when you put the paintbrush down and say it's ready. When, when do you feel like you just let it go and let it breathe? That's hard. With my mati mati, I can point at things. With my mati mati strum my guitar strings. On my mati mati with golden rings. About my mati mati, I sing. On my hands, on my feet, on my fingers and toes. Mati mati, on my hands, on my feet. So they know. Snap your fingers, uh, rise up on your tippy toes. I think what's really interesting about that, what you just said then, which incredibly leads me into the next question with such beauty mm-hmm. and and poise that I'm almost inclined to stop the interview now, is <laughs> there's this thing that runs throughout your music that really lands in on the move and then seems to carry on for the next five years, and that's this idea of collaboration. This mm. album itself, you've got five collaborators on it, I believe. There's t- uh, and, and please correct me instantly if I've got these names wrong. You've got Tumanako, Tiniaru. Tinido. Um, you're so close. Two Monaco or Tinido. And <laughs> there's Chris. Great. I'll leave that there. Chris Lamb, Sam. You've got Brian and Bobby. You've got Petite Music Box, Brendan Gregg. There's this real shift for if we look at Itty Bitty Beats as the two of you, as you and Jenny, there seems to be mm. this enormous shift around this time, which you've sort of just touched on. You really... I don't know. It's it's one of the things that makes you strong. It's one of your it's one of your most powerful elements. I think is this ability to just bring people in and lend yourself out to people. Um, you know, you've got Christmas in Summer with Susie Cato, which I believe is is being released as a book. You've got Hello with Music with Michael. Like, it's almost like you you got so enthralled in this idea of working with other people that it became your priority for the next four or five years. Yeah, it's a funny thing. We um we have uh, we have a bunch of musicians in Christchurch that are. Uh, good, you know, good friends like Music with Michael, who was actually in Petite Music Box with um, Emma, and her husband Jesse was the one who played drums on one of us. Like we're all ve- mm. we're all very tight knit anyway. And then Susie Cato, um, absolute inspiration, uh, you know, and cannot believe we have worked with her. And you're the first one to know about the book. <laughs> Isn't that amazing? I just got the go ahead that we could talk no, about no, no. it. So not just it not just me. There's also the three listeners. Oh, it's <laughs> exciting. So um, uh, Susie, um, like, founded 
with Arthur Basting, who did a lot of writing for um, Justin Clark yes, and I've, all sort of stuff. Arthur, I've had amazing, the pleasure amazing. of meeting um, Arthur and oh. sat in the same room with Arthur and um, Peter Dyson. Peter Dyson was actually um, my first interview. It's my first, Are you kidding? first That's podcast. Amazing. Yeah, it's first podcast interview. Oh, such inspiring people, and gosh, Arthur will be missed. And and he and mm. Susie and and a few others uh, grew this community called Kiwi Kids Music, and that brought together a lot of us to kind of communicate and grow friendships and collaborate. And through, I think through finding some of these other artists who have a similar um, story to tell or they want to add a bit of itty-bitty to their something or other and we're, you know, like we're, you know, sharing ideas across Google Docs and, you know, (laughs) like recording in the studio and sending files back and forth. Like it has led to in what is going to be an incredibly epic collaboration which has, uh, which we also haven't talked about yet. Uh, Did Claudia talk about it? <laughs> but we've got another collaboration coming out with his, which has just a silly amount of us on the same song. Really, um, that's and I, I can't wait to share it with you. Yeah. I'll, I'll, as soon as it's ready, we will send it to you. Absolutely, and it is. Um, it's a song we need right now, and it's called "Together We Can," and it is beautiful. And this is the whole thing about working with others. Is you know, it energizes us. And I think I worked with an artist. Um, called Mark Vanilau. When I was singing back up for him for a while, he kept saying, you know, when we we don't stand on others to climb the ladder, as we take a step, we bring everyone up with us. And yeah. that was the best thing musically I'd ever learned. You know, you, you give me a scale any day and, and teach me about, you know, dominant chords and, you know, mixolydian and just all of that stuff but when it comes down to the nature of music and what music brings uh and what we bring to music um and the vulnerability and the strength in music which i i just i can't tell you what that has meant to me as a person it's i mean music is communication isn't it you know what I mean? That's mm. that's all it is and that's all it ever has been. It's been storytelling and communication since the first inception of it or the first time it was written down. It was all about – it was essentially about sharing, sharing ideas and sharing mm. stories. And, and with, with that scene, because, I mean, being here in Australia, we, we are building that scene, but I'm at the same time mm. awfully jealous of what is happening in New Zealand. And Cheeky Claudia didn't mention anything about this mega um, oh, collaboration. No, it's my fault. It's my fault. I'm totally unallowed to <laughs> No, no, no. no I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ring her right now. I'm uh, if I'm just put it. you on hold. <laughs> I'm going to ring her right now. Um, See, I ring Claudia almost every day. She is such a gift. Um, <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm working with Levity Beat uh, and Tumanako Tenido and a friend Kate with uh, um, a project called Finpoi, which is where we're creating bilingual songs, so in Māori and English, to, um, you know, uh, in the Māori culture, they spin poi as part of their, their dancing, part of the culture. Right. Um, and so we're writing songs. So in behind the scenes of Itty Bitty and everything else, there's a whole bunch of other collaborations that are happening outside of it too, which is amazing. And it's said to a friend of mine ages ago, you know, we aren't, I don't believe we're in competition with each other. 
Um, and therefore, if we elevate one of us, we elevate all of us. Um, and by doing so, you know, we're a tiny country. Mm. How do you how do you get your music to the other side of the world? Well, we created I created yeah. a background playlist, and it went bonkers. Yeah, and that meant we got way more listeners in the US than we do in our tiny country, and that helps so much. I think the minute you feel you're competing for airspace, um, it means that you don't you don't have those collaborations, and those collaborations are fantastic because that's where the magic really happens. As you go, you can almost predict perhaps what the next anybody album could sound like. But if you go, well, if it's all collaboration. It could be anything, mm. if that makes sense. And I love that unexpected feeling of, of drawing every drawing on everybody's genius and, and seeing where seeing we go together. Yeah. But I'm a bit like that. I'm I'm a bit well, I think you like can it. you can hear it. You can, and I think you can hear it in itty bitty beats and hear it in everything they, pr- the the two of you produce or the four of you or however many there is on the day. I mean, there's that's the point. <laughs> Talking about collaborations, it is near impossible to talk about um, the work you do with um, around baby loss. Oh, so yeah. obviously in yeah. two thousand and nine, Jenny and Rob, you know, had had a, the shocking experience. Um, mm. But I want to talk about those. Son, I want to talk about those songs briefly because mm. I, I'm I'm so desperately drawn to this part of you because um, mm. I wanted to I wanted to ask questions like musically and and, and about arrangements and all this kind of thing about like particularly um last lullaby I mean it's just so beautiful mm. the sparseness and the harmonies and all that kind of stuff but I but I guess I, I just don't feel that is my question. I feel, I guess, my question is kind of the complete opposite. I, I guess when something, or in this case, the content is is this personal on a level that's really experienced by the average person, let alone a musician, mm. Is, mm. does the music, is it in you or like does it, Oh, like, does the music the just come out? Does it one. just does it just come from you, and you are just a messenger for this this music that exists within you? Do you know what I mean? Oh, like, I know what you're saying. The, these are the songs we have had to craft very carefully um, because uh, Jenny has written a lot of songs personally for Leo that are for Leo that yeah. aren't for everybody. Yeah, um, these songs weren't weren't for Leo, they are for um, 
somebody we have to we're trying to write someone who has miscarried, someone who's had a stillborn, mm. someone who had a three year old who has passed. So covering baby loss and child loss, um and keeping it personal enough where you can feel the experience behind the song and the grief behind the song, but saying, We don't own this grief. This song is here for you and this is your time to cry. This is your time to, you know, a lot of those songs are played at children's funerals. We get messaged constantly mm. by families all around the world and that in itself is the biggest honour you can have. But it's also um, it comes at somewhat of a, an emotional um, expense in the sense mm. that uh, I know when I was pregnant with, with my pity and I was getting emails and messages constantly because normally I handle the correspondence because Jenny obviously it's very raw for her still. Yeah, of course. Um, and you know being pregnant and then when my son was born he went straight into NICU and there oh I'm gonna cry oh no okay um, whew, ah. um Jenny and Rob did a whole bunch of fundraising after Leo's um, passed and they did a whole bunch of fundraising for the NICU unit. Yep. So when my son was in there, here I was making myself a cuppa in a room that had a little plaque up on the wall. And that was the room that got built because they fundraised for Leo, you know. Yeah. And the reality of sitting in a room with a whole bunch of uh, teeny tiny babies that you just know that there's a high chance that a lot of them are going to be needing that music. And here I was mm. with my own baby boy going, oh, my gosh, what's happening? And, mm. you know, there are times where you just you just have to protect your own emotion to some degree. But you can't when you're writing it. You can't when you're recording it. You have to let it completely fly. But it is they, those songs were hard to craft in the sense that we had to not just speak from our own experiences, but we had to speak... Uh, to as wide an audience as we possibly could. Yeah, I, um, it's like, it relevant. Yeah, and I guess, I mean, I guess just from what you're saying, I mean, what strikes me is that idea that you you are doing something that's so desperately personal, yet mm-hmm. trying not to make it personal at all. Do you know what I mean? Well, like, not make it personal to you. Personally, personal not to everyone. Pers- not, yeah, not, personal yeah. to everyone who's going to listen to it. But but again, you know, I mean, it's <clears throat> it's kind of like a quilt where you're putting what I found when we were writing is um, my um, my it sounds horrible and cavalier to just say it off the cuff. But my my husband's got um, terminal health issues, so I do a lot of writing to process those feelings. You know. Uh, and I have for years, and we've, we've known he's been unwell for years, so I do a lot of writing. So some of those lyrics actually came from a piece of poem, you know, a piece of a poem here, a piece of a song here, a part of Jenny's writing here, mm. and something that was new. So they did feel more like, a, especially the last lullaby, it did feel like a lot of a patchwork quilt of different parts of different personal writing that we had and how to weave it together in a way that didn't sound like this is my experience. Uh, we had to say this this is a pain that we share with you and 
we want you to be able to fit under that umbrella of that experience without it being too specific. Because some songs are, you know, my baby boy or my, mm. you know, whatever it is, and or they they're all about the mother and the father also has to grieve and things. This is our last lullaby for you, darling. I'll find you in the love of the evening, where the sunset draws its lines. Your heart will be in mine, in my heart. So we've we've written. We're, bit, we're in the process of writing our fourth, um, and gosh, they are incredibly, uh, it, it's a gift to be able to write it, but yeah, it's, it's very, um, it's very emotional. Yeah, and it's it's incredibly brave, and, I'm, and, I, and I don't mean brave, <clears throat> I, I don't necessarily mean brave as in, I, I, I don't really know what I mean by brave, to be honest with you. I, I think I just it's it's interesting you saying how it's a collaboration of a bunch of ideas coming together, and I kind of just you know hearing that story about you, you know, like it is the patchwork quilt. I think that's what's really fascinating about it is not fascinating. It's ter- really not the right word, but is the fact that all the different experiences still fundamentally boil down to the same emotions, and and what I got what I got from there's a couple of lyrics one lyric in particular that says I know the world still turns and I'll survive this hurt but this is all I can be right now um, the other line I will find you in the quiet of the swell of the ocean I'll find you in the quiet or the swell of the ocean I mean and the thing about these lyrics to me it seems to be what it's all about is about the ownership of it we're very reluctant to ever sit in the ownership of hurt or in the ownership of feeling sad or feeling down. And I think particularly in the realm of something that we are terribly uncomfortable to talk about, mm. it's hard mm. to sit in that uh, that hurt. You can't sit in that hurt on your own. You can't do it privately in the corner of your room knowing that there's nowhere to take that hurt, you know, I guess. And I guess that's that's what I got from these, all of the songs is this idea of like, you know, you must hurt. You, you must. You must do it. You must go through it and you must look for help and you must, yeah. I don't know if that's kind of the heart of what you're trying to say, but that's what I got. Well, there's this beautiful uh, thing that I've noticed through um, obviously the work that we've been doing with the songs and it's led to us building a lot of relationships with people who do work in this industry and um, you know, not industry is the wrong word uh, work in that um, you know, helping people through loss uh, working in hospitals where they need to deal with uh, the immediate loss and things like miscarriage all very taboo topics um, so you know, what I found uh, beautiful is we were able to really be welcomed into that club that no one wants to join, but the people who are in there, they're life members of that 
grief. Yeah. It's a type of grief that you can't explain to somebody. And even if someone's been through what on paper looks to be the same as somebody else, their experience is fundamentally different. And um, when we shared the music videos or the lyric videos for um, the songs, uh, we found in the comments of the YouTube uh, channel thingy, uh, it was people saying, thank you, um, I just lost my twins, uh, these were their names, or thank mm. you, I um, I just lost my father, or I'm, um, you know, I've just miscarried, and I haven't told anybody. And, you know, there's some level of community there where we've got a safe place in the in the YouTube comments there for people to tell us their experience. They you know, they open up to us. We're complete strangers, yet we are all unified through this this music which covers such a huge um you know, grief spectrum, I suppose. Yeah. And what Yeah, but the sad uh heaps of friends and family came out after we released these songs and said, yeah, I've had seven miscarriages. I'm like, I've been here with you this whole time and I had no idea. Mm. And it wasn't until we released these songs that we started these conversations and that was one of the most heartbreaking things for me personally is going, why did we not talk about it then? Because it, it doesn't need to be shameful or it, you know, that we can a hundred percent talk about this and love each other through it. Yeah, uh, my last album was an album of stories and poems, and one of the poems on it was um, "I Lost Someone I Love Today," which I spent, I guess, about four years trying to write because my wife and I had to terminate a pregnancy. Um, quite late in because the, you know because. There were just the complications of the development. The child was never going to have much of a chance, so we had to make that decision. And it went from, you know, even to the point where I had it as a rock song, still all for children, and it was all designed around the idea of giving children a voice and how to deal with loss. Mm. Um, You know, it, it went through multiple different things and it wasn't until eventually I just went, you know what, it's just a poem and it's silent, that's all it is. And, you know, the biggest comments from people when they'd say, oh, you know, what's that for? And I'd say, well, it was for Freya. And they'd say, who's that? And once you explain it, they'd go, oh, I had no idea that it was that important. (laughs) That important. And you kind of go, well, it was a pretty big deal. But I guess, yeah, and, you know, I guess that's what's magical about being an artist, right, is is that you, you have you have an ability to gift that kind of complexity into something that may not be able to be articulated normally. And I think from that perspective, that's what comes all the way back to what shouts to me from the itty bitty beats is this idea that so much of what you do even in the music that you just make yourselves, there's such a giving element in your music, there's this idea, I feel, I feel a community around what you do. I feel it in your collaborations. I feel it in the albums. I feel it in 
your um, in the work you do, I, I, I feel this genuine sense of just celebrating that you are part of this huge thing. And even though you don't necessarily say it loudly in your lyrics, it just feels like that to me. It's not even about a celebration of the people you are working with. It's a celebration of just the people that you might one day get to work with, Hmm. you know? That warms my heart so much because it's funny when you sit back and look at the body of your work, you're too close to it to understand what somebody else's first um, first experience is and and sort of doubting themselves in in your music and the fact that that's your takeaway gives me the biggest boost and tells me that what we're doing means something and I think for any artist knowing that what we've created has helped somebody feel something Mm. is it's the only thing that I feel you know when you measure success by any stretch of your imagination you know as a musician I remember we we did a gig we did a gig once someone said oh what's you know your best musical moment and I said well funnily enough we did our very first gig Susie flew us up to Auckland. Susie Kato flew us up there. We'd never done a gig before because we hadn't created our albums with the idea of performing, you know. We mm. just sort of created yeah, albums. Yeah, of course, and, yeah. Oh, you know, <laughs> flying by the seat of our pants, you know. And um, one of our songs, Pomarie, was put on a, like, collaboration album which was released by APRA over here and sent to, you know, schools and families and stuff so people could mm. get a sense of what some of the best songs were of that of that time period. And... Um, our song Pumari, which is you know bilingual lullaby, which obviously means a lot to me personally, and um, stuff. And we were up there singing, and then we got right to the end. And we started singing Pumari, and a little boy, I think his name was Nathan, I think he was about seven, and he just sang along. And I just looked at you know, I was like, oh my gosh, I'm going to cry. And I realised that that was in all my years of being a musician, mm. that was my mother. And I just thought that was so cool you know you can win awards and you can do things and have these amazing experiences but having someone connect with what you've created I don't know it floored me it it just took me by surprise I was like no one will know us we've never done a gig before it's a bilingual song not everyone speaks Māori and Mm. there it was and it blew my absolutely blew my brain well I guess yeah and um that's the thing f- about music for children, isn't it? Is you, you're, you aren't ever writing it for yourself. Mm. And it's a combo, th- isn't it? Yeah, and I think I do want my kids to sleep, so I selfishly write lullabies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah. Don't get me wrong. The, your, the start of your career it's was a bit of <laughs> the start. The start of your career was highly selfish, but um, but yeah. since then you've matured as a person, Lucy. Um, <laughs> And you've, you've, you've looked beyond your own uh, immediate um, parental needs. Um, now, Lucy, I had a few other questions, but I've got to tell you, I feel like we've reached the end of this interview. I think ending it with just what we just spoke about, about the, um, you know, the, the, the who, where itty bitty beats see themselves in community and sees itself in in the people around it um, is a really apt place to end. Um, 
I want to thank you very much for joining me today and 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 talking me through it and and giving us the opportunity to just I guess try to paint a picture of I guess kind of what's in the heart of what you and Jenny do, you know, and I think that's you know, we could talk a lot about instruments and all those sort of bits and pieces, and that is fascinating, terribly fascinating. But I think mm-hmm. I'm, you know, it's not quite as powerful of what's going on inside your hearts. So, um, yeah, thank you. Gosh, I think I'm I'm going to go off and cry. Thank you very much <laughs> for your for we your can, time. We can, <laughs> we can pour a hot chocolate. My, my, I didn't mean to. No, no, it's be, it's beautiful, and and look, it's what I said at the start. The whole point of these interviews is so that we can go here, you know, because we don't get that chance. Um, You're so right. But yes, I do want to say a huge thank you for taking your time out today, and. Um, Gosh, yeah, I don't know. Let's do it again some sometime. I would love it. And hey, maybe we could collaborate. Well, look, I'm an Australian, and uh, I find that's a, that's a str- that you know I break out in a rash when I hear that word. So I'm going to have to kind of work on my own bias here. And <laughs> um, no, collaboration sounds very very good for me. It sounds very very good for me. Um, all right, so thank you. Thank you. Thank you. That's such an amazing interview. Thank you. If you'd like to know more about Itty Bitty Beats and the work they do, then head along to their website at www.ittybittybeats.com. And, of course, for more Benny Time goodness, head along to www.bennytime.com. Thanks for listening to me, Benny. Ask Lucy questions. Mm-hmm.